1103-416-870-6400-640 in cell. Our good pal, Dr. Payne, is back. I'm your good pal, eh? What's going on, man? That's nice. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. I think it's time. I think your advice advice at the beginning of the show before the mics went on can't be made from the neck down. Good call. Uh, thanks for sharing with everybody. So tell us I got what's numbers. going on. I got to start from the beginning. Let's do this properly. Well, we think from no, we base- don't think anything. Tell me your symptoms before. Pretend like I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, numbness in the middle two fingers. Okay. Right on and the right side. On the right side. Yeah. And when I sleep or attempt to sleep, which hasn't been happening lately, uh, lots of pain wakes me up in the middle of the night and numbness. A little and, bit in the left, but more in the right. And what about your history of you had a pretty bad disc herniation at, yeah. at one point one in your neck, right? One of the T's in my neck. One of the uh, T's? Yeah. No, the, the discs. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. one of the T vertebrae. I'm not sure which one. No, it was in your cervical spine. Cervical? Yeah. Yeah. And it, anterior bulge still facing the front. Yeah. So they wouldn't do surgery on it. When so. that originally happened, did you have symptoms in your arm? No. I Never. Had, no, it felt like a really bad trap pull. I thought, it, well, I did do it in the gym, but it was just, at that point, it was just right down my back. You know, when you pull a yep. trap doing something, it was really bad. And then, I mean, it just kind of went away. I had some atrophy. My right arm got really small, which kind of freaked me out. But then it, it kind of came back a bit. This is fairly recent. This is newer, the, the yeah. This has been going on for what, like a few months at least. A few months, yeah. yeah, yeah. And we took a look at it. So, so I think, and you've been doing treatment, uh, which four. is good, yeah. And that's yeah. still like a drop of water, right, in, yeah. in an ocean when you consider uh, the long-standing neck pain yeah. problems that you've had. So, I think it, I don't think there's any cause for concern yet. I think you're in good hands in terms of the treatment you're getting. Um, I think you have to continue the treatment. I think. I think we need to realize that when you have injuries like you've had previously, this is where areas of the spine might degenerate quicker. And again, degeneration of the spine is overall insignificant if it's not pushing on anything vital. But if it does degenerate enough that osteophytes form and it, say, pushes a a little bit on a nerve um, and creates these symptoms for you, then yes, it's significant. So... I wouldn't be surprised, and I think when I when I saw you that time, I told you that it probably is a little bit of that going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, a uh, little bit of muscular stuff. Like it's it's usually a combination of things. It's not it's not often uh, one thing or the other. Um, the good stuff is that when 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 I assessed you, there was no hard neurological findings, so nothing that's concrete where we could say, well, the reflex is gone or your power is getting diminished or you're unable to sense. I know you have altered sensation day-to-day with the things you're doing, but you don't have um, loss of sensation. It's not like you could you can still distinguish between sharp and dull. You could mm-hmm. feel vibration. And so this these are all very important signs, um, which is good, which means that you're in, in good hands. And typically these things with treatment could take up to six weeks to get better. So again, I think we're at, do you feel any better or no, no nothing at to, all? To be realistic, no, I still yeah. have the numbness. I still have the pain. Yeah. So, so I think what happens at that point, if, if after about three or four weeks, you're saying, you're saying, I don't feel better at all, then I think it's time to get an updated MRI of the neck. Okay. And I think that's a, a good plan of management and we take a look at it and see what's there. Um, that won't overall change per, per se how we treat it, but it will essentially help to confirm what we're thinking. And I think that's a big thing because if we can confirm what, what we're thinking, even if you're not getting better, we know we're on the right track or we reassess and consider it could be uh, something else. I understand the treatment so far for what we think it is as far as the bulging disc is concerned, but you mentioned possible stenosis, yeah, right, which is narrowing yeah. of the channel. How do you treat that or can you? 
Yeah, you can treat it. Get in there with a drill bit and start hacking and roll. Like, what do you, like, yeah, there there is absolutely a surgical option for it if it's isolated in an area. Uh, Again, you don't have hard neurological findings, so it wouldn't overall make sense to do that because what do you, Mm -hmm. surgery is very good for function. So if there's a problem with the function of something like the power or the reflex, it's good at restoring function. If it's just a matter of perceived pain, surgery is not often the best answer for those things. Um, A lot of the things around stenosis, we've talked a lot about stenosis in the low back and we often talk about that Mm -hmm. and we don't talk about it as much in the neck and that's for two reasons. One, because uh, stenosis of the low back is uh, is much common. more common, yeah. um, and uh, and two, I guess not too many people call with it, so I guess we don't have yeah, much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but but in your case, um, it, a lot of the stenosis treatment, as you know, even with the low back stuff, is mainly around exercise and positions and postures and how do you essentially keep pressure off of the nerve. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think plan of management. You know, again, in a few weeks, if you're not. Uh, uh, if you're not feeling any better, we we do the MRI, or we could do the MRI anyways. We we send you for that and and see so. what we we look and we see. But you know, or amputate from the neck down. Whatever, it's an option. You know, I'll need a smaller <laughs> chair. Just my head sitting here doing yeah, the show. Exactly, that'll be cute. Yeah. So that uh, I think that's a good idea for you. Yeah, man. We'll take a uh, short break. How about we do that and get into your phone calls? Uh, feel free to call in. We have wide open lines four one six eight seven zero. 6400 star 640 on sell something aliens uh yeah you want some questions basically dr Payne is here until uh till 12 it's dr Payne show global news radio 640 toronto it is 11 11 on the dr Payne show what else is uh what else has happened with you pal yeah so as a nice segue we, we we were talking about stenosis in the neck and i'll move on to a case that i saw this week uh about stenosis in the low back so i had uh um a husband and wife uh older couple that came to see me and uh for for a very long time, I think it was something like almost two years, um, the primary symptom has been burning at the bottom of the feet, of both mm-hmm. feet. And what's very, very unfortunate in this is that all of the treatment that's been rendered, and, and, and there's been a significant amount, has always been towards the feet okay. and without any solution of the problem. Um, I saw this person after speaking, after number one, watching them walk into my office, I was already thinking stenosis because the stoop forward posture, uh, without even knowing what they were there for. Uh, And then I heard the symptoms of of burning feet, primarily with walking and standing, relieved when sitting, uh, and and then some other things, previous low back injuries and things like that. Mm -hmm. And as we went through it, and I said, no one's ever stopped to look at your back for this. And they said, no, we've had, you know, I've been, I've gone to places, they've given me orthotics, compression stockings, they've done treatment on my feet. Some people have, have gone as far as to say that it's because the skin on my feet is too sensitive, like all these weird things and, and just a complete mismanagement in all honesty, in, in my opinion. And, um, you know, we, we did the physical exam, we checked things out, and, and you know, obviously without imaging, we, we're, I'm not able to say a, with 100% certainty that there's stenosis, but I'm 99% sure that it's stenosis. So, um, you know, we've given him the recommendations on, on what to do, mm-hmm. but they were both extremely happy with, with finally having an answer. And they and they said that they felt, even he said, he's like, you know, it's funny, I've, I've always felt that it's not really my feet. Like, he had some, some inherent... Um, thought or however uh, that just made him think, no, this isn't related yeah, to my feet. Spidey sense is telling yeah, me it's not my yeah, feet. Yeah, something right? was just telling him this isn't my feet. And and they were just so happy. I spent uh, a significant amount of time explaining to them uh, what stenosis is, the things they should or should not be doing, the recommendations. Um, 
And and they were just so, so happy. One of the other things around stenosis, which is a tough conversation to have um, with people, is the recommendation of a walker when people have some pretty severe stenosis. And as people get older, obviously nobody wants to be told that they need a walker or anything, right? It's mm-hmm. It takes away your independence and, you know, it sort of uh, changes who you are as yep. a person. But there is nothing to be ashamed about. So one of the things that I wanted to get across, and, I, and everyone that I speak to about stenosis um, especially when they're elderly, is this isn't something that doesn't matter how it looks or what it is. It's going to help you. It could potentially more than help you save your life. And the reason why it could potentially save your life is as your posture bends forward naturally, that's not you doing it. That's your body doing it. Your center of mass changes. As your center of mass changes, you're more predisposed to fall wherever your center of mass is. So if your center of mass is falling towards the front of your body, then, you know, with with the right force, you can completely fall over. And one of the big risks when in the elderly with mortality is the risk of fracture, especially something like a hip fracture. And so the last thing you want to be doing is getting a hip fracture when when it's it's one of the most fatal things that can help to someone who's elderly. so number one, it prevents that. It can save your life, and that's extremely important. Number two, as you're walking, so we, so that bent forward posture actually helps to relieve pressure off of the nerve. What people will naturally try to do is as they bend forward, they want to straighten up, and yep. there's this constant fight between bending and straightening up because you can't really walk, again, if your center of mass is too far forward. What it does do is it allows you to not have that 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 tug of war anymore you can just go ahead and walk in the posture that feels comfortable for you another great thing about it is these walkers often have a little seat on them one of the big things with stenosis is that after a period of walking you need to sit down that opens up those holes where the nerves come out further that increase relief some relief and so that's very important to to create that relief so um, I, I really wanted to get that across, too, because a lot of people have been coming to see me for uh, spinal stenosis, especially in the low back and in the elderly. And it's a recommendation that I often make. And it it is very hard for people to hear. A lot of people sit there and they're either completely against it or they're crying and uh, whatnot. And that's fine. I'm, I, there's nothing wrong with the emotion behind it. But I, I really want to stress this on even if you don't come to see me and you know you have spinal stenosis and you're losing sensation in your feet. And that's another big thing, actually, that I should add. It's not just about the, the center of mass being forward. As the nerve becomes affected, your sensation and proprioception, which is your spatial awareness, become affected. So each step is harder. You may not necessarily know what you're stepping on or not stepping on. And and it's it's very, very important. It could save your life. And I, and I just think that if you've been told that you have spinal stenosis and it's severe, especially and things are progressing, it's not a bad idea. And in fact, this gentleman that I saw, one of the things that he said was when I asked him if, when he walks, how he feels... And he said he it feels very bad. He said, with the exception, when I'm at the grocery store and I have a shopping cart in front of me and I sort of lean on it and there I walk, go. I actually tend to feel pretty good. And I was like, well, there you go. It, yeah. it, it, and this is and his only symptom was burning in the feet, right? And and this goes back to what we continue to come back to, which is that just because you feel pain somewhere does not mean the source of the pain is necessarily there. It could be somewhere else. It could be anywhere in your body. Um, and so it's very, very important that a trained professional who doesn't just... The problem 
I guess the problem is a lot of people. If you have a, if you if you have a hammer, everything becomes a nail. So yeah. you know if you have a foot problem and you're going to a certain specialty, they're going to think that it's a foot problem. And if you're going somewhere else, they may just think it's a spine problem. And 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 I think it's very important that practitioners uh, stay objective and that they're not just worried about well, what is it that falls within my scope of treatment? And that's what I hope for this to be. But it should really be about you know what is the problem? And if it falls in my scope, great, I'll I'll try to help this person. But I'm not going to try to force that diagnosis or or not uh, be open to the possibility of other things. Is stenosis the type of thing, uh, as far as a diagnosis is concerned, that can be made worse by, like, oh, I did this job for 50 years and that didn't help my stenosis? Or is it just, you don't have a choice if it's your body, it's going to happen? I think there are some things that do predispose you to it. So we talked about like previous injuries, right? So people that have had disc herniations or fractures, things like that, those areas will yeah. degenerate quicker. So so that, that predisposes you to it. Um, depending on the job, I mean, yeah, it's repetitive strain sprain. So if you've got a repetitive motion that somehow, and the repetitive strain sprain over time will create more arthritis, more degeneration. So potentially, yeah, that's also possible. But a lot of the times it's also just genetic, right? So sometimes people didn't have that type of job or what we you would assume, but it doesn't really discriminate. And, and I think even when we've had Dr. Amendolia, um, Stenosis is consistent around the world, right? It doesn't matter yeah. whether you're in a rich nation like Canada or in the third world or somewhere else that's totally different culturally. Uh, stenosis exists and it affects predominantly older populations because it's a it's a process it's of a wear and tear. Yeah, and we yeah. we live much longer than we're essentially designed for, right? So where we might have been designed to live to forty, forty five, uh, people I'm are done. Li- yeah, oh yeah, I'm three years <laughs> done, buddy. It's all over. Uh, people are living into their 80s, 90s, and and so of course at that point things will start to break down, and the, that degenerative process is very much uh, expedited as you get older. We're going to take a uh, short one. Your phone calls, any questions about this or uh, something personally is affecting you, uh, hey, bring it on. Talk about it. Uh, get some answers anywhere. At least get the conversation started. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 1122, uh, Dr. Payne Show here. Little details about how we can get a hold of you. Um, I know you've got some new stuff coming in the new year. Yeah. Well, it is the new year. So you're, It is you're the new year, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we're, we're opening up... Uh, uh, for those of you in the you know west end of Brampton and north end of Mississauga and the border with uh, Milton Georgetown, there's a new clinic at uh, uh, Mississauga Road, just uh, north of Steeles. Uh, the address is 75 Montpellier. Um, so it's a full treatment center, walk-in pharmacy. So awesome. all your needs in one place. If you uh, uh, need to get a hold of me and would like to, there's family doctors there accepting new patients as well. Uh, so, you know, for, for all your healthcare needs, you give me a call. I can uh, help direct you there. Uh, I'll also be there two days a week uh, in the mornings doing assessments for convenience for, uh, for those of you on the West End. Um, and that'll make it a little bit easier instead of seeing me at the Etobicoke office, uh, which is where I do my assessments. Uh, uh, and then in probably in February, I'll also start being up in, in our new market clinic. And so oh, beauty. Um, just to, to make it easier, but more to, more on all that to come. There's some mm-hmm. things that I'm in the works on and can't really say too much till they all go through. What else is going on with you? Yeah, so same thing. Uh, it was a very busy week yep. uh, with patients. Um, you know, I was off for a few weeks during the holidays, so there was an influx of, of people that wanted to see me, which is good. Um, some of the other things that... Uh, uh, stood out there was the stenosis case for sure that I wanted to speak about um, there was another case so another thing I guess we should speak about is the PRP injections for okay. knee osteoarthritis yep. um, 
And as I've said before, I wouldn't say, so not everybody that calls me and is interested in it, do I make the recommendation. In fact, I think that I often recommend not to have it versus having it. So, um, because I really want, like my, my big objective is to really match people up with the therapeutic intervention that I think will work for them. So the example is I had a, I had a person, uh, who has very, I wouldn't say very, but it was definitely severe arthritis. Uh, The beginning of like stage four, so like right bone on bone, like they need a knee replacement. There's no questions asked. Um, And they're actually in the process of of getting that done, but there's a wait for it. And so, you know, they came in to see me. We looked at it and they said, you know, should I do the PRP PRP injection? And, And, you know... Even when we've done the show and we've had Dr. Bergava and Dr. Gordon here and they've reviewed the literature, um, very good evidence for mild to moderate osteoarthritis with uh, swelling of the knee. This is severe osteoarthritis. Like really the only thing that's going to help is that he's about, uh, let me remember correctly here, I think seven months away from the surgery. Okay. And he's like, I just want to do something for the next seven months to just sort of help me. And what I essentially said to him is... The PRP injection could cost, on average, let's call it about seven or eight hundred bucks. Okay. I said, why don't you just take that money and over once every two weeks get someone, one of the physios, one of the massage therapists, chiros, doesn't matter, at our office, and just get them to run you through some exercises, some therapy, like versus one intervention of a PRP injection. Why don't you have someone just work with you, show you how to strengthen, prehabilitate, all of these things, and that money is going to be much better served. And and he was like, yeah, I, I didn't even think of that. He didn't have extended health care insurance. But I basically said, well, if you're willing to spend 800 bucks over here, uh, what's the difference Break if you up. spend it there or here, right? It's it, it's all you're willing to spend $800 for whatever the best option is for you over the next seven months. And what my suggestion is, is that you work with a professional to do the right things leading up to your surgery. And that'll be good for, you know, potentially 10, 12, 13, 14 treatments, um, which is plenty between now and then. It's not like he has to be there three times a week. It's just really something once every two weeks I recommended you go in, you get a little bit of mm-hmm. manual work done, some exercises that are shown you we progress them um, and it just pr- helps to prehabilitate you before the surgery and so I, I think it's a very important thing and, and I bring this up because sometimes people come in with a preconceived notion that if they're coming in and they want the PRP injection uh, that I'm automatically going to say yep let's let's go ahead and do it and and obviously even after if I had had that conversation and this gentleman said no I still would like to do the PRP then we'll go ahead and do the PRP as long as I don't think it would hurt then I would never right. I would never stop it so I don't think it would have hurt him it just likely wouldn't have been as beneficial but Again, my objective is not to sell something specific. There's nothing that I'm trying to sell. What I'm trying to do is help people get the right answers to the problems that they're living with. Um, and if you have, and if and if I can help you get the right answer to the issue, the injury, the pain, whatever it is that you're dealing with, then the treatment is self-explanatory because treatment lines up with with what. Uh, with what the diagnosis is. And and that's really my job is what is the best evidence-based answer that I can give you based on the medical research that's available, the scientific literature, and my personal experience on what I see day-to-day uh, with all of the patients that not only do I see, but, you know, between all of the clinics, we see thousands of patients a month. Um, and so... You know, we have a lot of experience, even I'm only one person and I don't know everything. So every time I feel like I need to have more information, we hold rounds 
uh, around certain patients when we have complex cases. I'll go talk to specialists in a certain area if I'm not if I'm not the specialist in that area to get a better understanding. And I and I think that's the best thing. So my objective is not to sell a PRP. Uh, injection or a brace or orthotics, but if those are the recommendations that I think will be the best thing for you, then that's what I'll make. Do you find people are lacking when it comes to treatment? Um, They don't want to give it the time that it needs? Absolutely. Yeah, Me, for instance, I just want this neck thing gone and it's not going anywhere? Yeah. pissing me off. You're you're a good example. And, And one of the analogies that I always use is these things take time. When you're dealing with something that's potentially 10 years old, for example, and you're, you've treated it now over the last three, four weeks. You got you got to be fair with with what you're. You know you got to. This has to be a fair fight here. We can't we can't put a light in a lightweight in with a heavyweight. It needs to be equivocal. What we're looking for as practitioners is the right response. So one of the things that I can tell you, even with your case, is you're not saying that you're worse. You're just saying it's not better. Right. Which is a good thing. And that's where we would where we would be more concerned and expedite things quicker um, is if things get worse. Now I don't like saying that because then people start to overthink it, and you can create a lot of stuff in your head and be like, "Well, maybe I am worse," but yeah. but you're not worse. If your initial gut answer is "No, I'm not worse," then you're not worse, and that's really what you should stick with. But um, it is very you're, you're very right. A lot of people just are are very impatient with this stuff. This is physical type of medicine, and so it takes time for these things to work. It takes it. Th- this isn't as easy as popping a pill in, which takes 20 seconds. Um, this could potentially be a 45 minute visit with somebody followed by you having to set aside maybe 20 or 30 minutes every day to do the right exercises, the right things. You need to be cautious about your posture. So there's so many things involved in the, in the treatment of injuries and pain. Um, it's so multimodal that it's time consuming. Uh, and because it's time consuming, you know, we're, we're creatures that want to minimize how much time we have to spend on anything like that. But it's the trade-off that you make if you want to get better. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Lines open. you got calls, questions about your health. Bring them on. Dr. Payne Show rolls on. Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 1132 and right back at it. Dr. Payne Show. Bart, thank you for uh, for hanging on. How are you? Hi, I'm good, thanks. Good. What's your concern? Um, I've, uh, I play hockey and I injured my elbow about uh, months ago. Mm-hmm. And now, and it's, the pain is is purely in my elbow. It's not in the muscles around my elbow. But I, people have told me I have golfer's elbow. But I are any of sure. those people healthcare professionals? No, no, no. So I then you need to get into a doctor, but it's uh, it's been very difficult. So. Yeah. So so you have to make that time because random people telling you something or using Doctor Google is not the right way um, to do this. And so uh, step one is figuring out what exactly it is. If it is potentially. Uh, tendinosis uh, on the lateral side or the medial side. Uh, there's a lot of things that could happen in that area. It could be a bursitis, uh, could be a simple ligament strain. There's the, you can't just assume that it's it's golfer's elbow. And then you know th- things like golfer's elbow, tennis elbow, plantar fasciitis. These are very much things that if you don't treat in the beginning when it's early, they often become chronic issues because there's 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 clearly a repetitive strain. Uh, sprain presentation that's happening that's aggravating this area, um, and you need to get it looked at sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's it's right on the funny bone is where the seams. Yeah, on the, okay, on the medial side. Yeah, but mm-hmm. e- even then, you, you again, that's yeah. so that's. You, I'm hearing a symptom, but I I would need to 
move your elbow around and do different tests to confirm. Uh, it could very well be golfer's elbow. I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying that listening to random people give you a diagnosis is not is not the way to get a diagnosis. Right. Yeah. Um, just on one other question. Sure. When it does, and if it does get better, at what point in time would you return to normal activities? Would the pain have to be gone? Uh, that that's a loaded type of question. It very much depends. Um, you, you return to play or return to an activity should be a gradual reintroduction, um, and it shouldn't necessarily be when everything is gone in terms of pain. And also, just because your pain is gone doesn't mean that there's not a problem still there because it, it can come back. So um, it's a difficult question to just blanket statement answer, uh, but it's it should be a transition. Okay. Yep. Okay. Oh, thank you. No problem. Thanks, Bart. Appreciate that. Your calls as well. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Marilyn, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Pretty good. Okay. What's your concern? Um, I had uh, a back operation for spinal stenosis in uh, 2008, I think it was, or 10. Yep. And uh, now I can't lift up my left leg. I've had the needles and that, and they came with the conclusion that the spinal stenosis is worse again. Okay. Um, everybody tells me, get out and walk, walk, walk. Well, when yeah, I don't walk, listen, I'm everybody. a pain. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and that's no, fine. talking about doctors, too, so. No, no, well, they're wrong. You should. You can't get out and walk if you have spinal stenosis. There's better options like stationary uh, pedals to keep the motion. I think movement is important, but it has to be the right movement. Um the other thing here is is remember having surgery for spinal stenosis is not an answer. It's it's sort of like the best way I can put this is if someone told you you had um, cardiovascular disease and you had you know uh, sclerotic arteries and they do a bypass surgery, that doesn't mean you can still be unhealthy uh, and do things. It's just a temporary solution for a problem. So there still needs to be exercises that are done even after the surgery. And now we can't go back, and I'm not sure even if you may or may not have done them, but what we do need to realize is not a cure. It's just a management solution. And we're talking about 2008. This is, this is now 11 years later. So um, stenosis will progress again because it's degeneration of the spine. And one of the things that expedites degeneration is trauma. Surgery is definitely a form of trauma. It's controlled trauma, but nonetheless, right. it's trauma. Uh-huh. And so you will absolutely, after areas of surgery, have more degeneration in that area. So, you know, it was it was a solution at the time uh, for the time being. But now you're at a point where you need to be doing other things. And, and most often, uh, these things are best treated with the right... Uh, types of exercises that should be done and postural intervention and so this is what i'm helping a lot of people with and i think you should come see me and get the right answers but you, it's funny i'm you're not the first person that said to me yeah people just tell me to get up and go walk walk it that's off a solution for yeah walk it's it like off. that's what yeah. aggravates the problem and right. they're telling them to do it and yeah. it makes no sense to me why anybody especially i mean if it was a if it was just anybody saying that that's one thing but the fact you're saying doctors are saying that then then i'm, I'm sort of concerned yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what's your what's your name and your phone number? That would be uh, Doctor Payne Luigi. You want to write this down? It's a one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L U one eight five 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 D R L O U. Marilyn or info at paincarecanada.com for uh, for email confirmation. David, good morning. How are you? Oh, I've had better days. Yeah, I hear you. What's going on, pal? Uh, so. I uh, had a workplace injury where I uh, tore my ACL mm-hmm. um, on my right knee, and 
and I was going to the gym before, like, uh, uh, before the injury. And the trainer says to me, oh, come, uh, you can still come to the gym, uh, just do the upper body. But my knee is killing me, right? So uh, although it's been over a week, the pain is not there as much. I got to be mindful, but I won't be seeing the doctor again until later this month. So a couple questions for you. So have you had treatment with a physio or a chiro or anybody? No. No. He, uh, he didn't set me up with physio or chiro. Okay. He, uh, so you should. Said, let, yeah, he said that let's see the swelling go down. Yeah, well, the physios and chiros will help you get that down. So that's number one. That's what you should be doing. Number two, um, you need to determine if this is something you eventually want surgery for, uh, which, you know, really depends on uh, a lot of things. But part of working out, I mean, yeah, if you're going to the gym on your own, uh, I would stay away. You need to understand what it is that you need to do. You could still work out your legs. Um, you just may not be able to do certain things. So one of the things the ACL prevents your tibia which is the lower shin bone from sliding forward on your femur which is the bigger thigh bone and that is also a motion that is resisted by the hamstrings so part of acl rehabilitation is having very strong hamstrings so for someone to tell you not to work out the leg i mean is just they clearly don't know what they're talking about it's just a matter of you need to work out the leg the right way um and in fact that's beneficial in fact there's elite soccer players that don't have acls and they just have strong hamstrings really? and that yeah and, wow. the, and they don't and they opt to never have the surgery but um i think you should come see me david uh and we can set you up with the right people to get you getting this treated so that you can get back to the things you're doing and in the meantime consider if surgery is the right option all right okay Thanks, David. Appreciate that again. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, and info at paincarecanada.com. I see you there, Mark. Hang on. We'll get to you next. And your phone call. Still have time. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on cell. Dr. Payne Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1142. Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400. Star 640 on cell. If it just takes a minute to call, get some answers, get the ball rolling, if not some mental relief. That's why you want to... Uh, to call in and, and ask your questions. Mark, thanks for uh, for hanging on, pal. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. What's good. going on with you? So I got this for about four or five years. I've had this kind of numbness in my left foot okay. down by around the third or fourth uh, toe on the left. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, originally I thought from years ago, I thought it might be some glass because I stepped on some glass. And I went to the Emerge and they said, don't worry about it. Go follow up with your GP. I've been to my GP. Every time I go to my GP to talk about it, and he feels around. I think it's a Morton's neuroma. Okay. He's not sure. Uh, if it's a Morton's neuroma, I've gone to a tridopodist. Uh They've looked around. They speculate. I still don't know exactly what it is, but it doesn't really cause a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got orthotics for it with the um, part in there. There's like a bump in the middle of the yep. orthotics. It kind, kind of helps, but I'm kind of annoyed. I'm not really in pain, so no one seems to really. Have you had any imaging done on it? Yeah, I have had an x-ray, and okay. it comes up clear. I've said to my doctor about getting an MRI. What about a nerve conduction? Funny enough, no, we were just speaking about that, that with John. Yeah, yeah. so EMG that. nerve conduction studies are very good for identifying um, nerve issues within the extremities, so that's definitely um, something that I think probably at this point is warranted. Uh, but, yeah, more, more investigation uh, is something that... that uh, that should be seen. The other thing to consider here is, again, the way I started the show, um, just because the problem is in the foot doesn't necessarily mean, or because the pain is in the foot, doesn't necessarily mean the problem has to only be in the foot. 
Uh, it could be essentially anywhere else at this point. It could be somewhere in the leg, somewhere in the spine, uh, probably not in the brain because, uh, you know, if it was something in your brain, you by now you'd probably know because it would have gotten drastically worse. Uh, but yeah. still something uh, uh, to consider. So, you know, there's you, ne- you need to get it looked at the right way. So I, I would recommend coming in, see me for, for that assessment, and then uh, uh, we'll, we'll work it up the right way. Okay, perfect. We'll okay. Be- Thanks, right, Mark. Bye. Okay, thanks, pal. The number one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U and info at paincarecanada.com. I love that whole chain of command. The human body. Figure this out. If it's not this, it's not that. If it's not this, it's not that. It's the diagnostic process of everything, though, yeah. right? It's funny. I had an electrician at my house uh, yesterday doing some stuff, and that's the exact same way an electrician works. They're just they're diagnosing. You're saying, hey, there's a problem here. And by the end of it, there's holes in my basement and they're, you know, and, and it's that like... you have to fix. Yeah, well, whatever. But but this is, it's yeah. the diagnostic workup. Like, I mean, Greg knows with cars, what, like yeah. that's what technicians do with cars. It's you're, 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 you're essentially going through a, a, an investigative process and ruling things in and out and understanding. And once you understand the machine, whether it's a car, the human body, uh, a house, whatever, whatever industry you're in, you can figure out how to... to to figure out what the problem is. And so uh, it's an important thing that the, the problem is, is that a lot of practitioners, like it's not just practitioners, but people like the things we've heard today where people say, Oh, my friends have told me it's this. Yeah. Well, and it's like, you should not be relying on your friends. You shouldn't be relying on Google. I mean, if you want to talk to people, which, you know, people will always think that they know everything and Google will scare you. Uh, but you need to get these things investigated by a professional. And then it needs to be the right professional because then you get people like, that we've talked about that, you know, the problem's in the foot or the pain is in the foot, and that's the only area they bother to look mm-hmm. at and not not realize that there should be other places that you're investigating. And that's really what what we try to do. It, 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 it's funny, too, because a lot of people always referred back to their GP where there's nothing wrong with G. I got a great GP. He's fantastic. He's a young yeah. guy, and he's, he's very knowledgeable. But, I mean, they'll say, you know, my GP says I shouldn't eat more than two eggs a week for cholesterol. Yeah, that's 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 not really the case, but you should be talking to a nutritionist, someone who focuses yeah. on yeah. That, and know, that type of thing. And the other thing here is people are often, practitioners are unfortunately a, a byproduct of the era that they were in school. Right. Right. And although you have to do continuing education, you don't do continuing education on everything. Right. You might pick the things that, for example, are of a special interest to you. And maybe nutrition isn't one of those special interests. And so you're talking about a doctrine that is 30 years old that has now been updated and covered a couple months on. Yeah, exactly. And so and you're right. There are there are within within the healthcare spectrum, there are specialties that are much more specialized than, you know, just not nothing against any any doctor, but even me. Like I, I wouldn't be the best person to talk to about diet or either. Crohn's disease. Yeah, that's not th- you. Yeah, that's yeah. not me. And so you need to be seeing the right people um, for those recommendations. It's just simply my job to make the patient aware that that's potentially one component that they would need to modify, and then sending them to the right place. Do you always? Do you try? How do I? How do I put this? Do you favor going to physical uh, rehabilitation manipulation over something mechanical, or it all depends on? Because when mean? I with well, when I with Adrian. This week, and he's working on my yeah. neck. Um, we did acupuncture a couple times. Um, I've had it before in my life. I've never had anything come of it. I'm ne- but when he puts me on the... Uh, stem unit? On the stem unit. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's pulling me one way. He's pulling my head the other way. Oh, I'm like, right. now yeah. we're talking. Now, yeah. Even if I haven't felt the benefit of it yet, I'm looking forward to more of that because I'm always a big fan of get in there, get your hands dirty, and just 
yank. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, that's the, me, the, right? The, the, yeah, and that's that's the problem is that you know that's what you like, but that doesn't necessarily mean right. that that's what's necessarily better for you. Now, having said that, if if any intervention that you're having doesn't feel like it's having an effect, mm-hmm. that is something that should be communicated back yeah. to any professional. Um, and so, do I favor something over another? No, I think it very much depends. The stage that you're at uh, will determine what the, the intervention should be. Like, there's some people that will blow a disc acutely, and the first thing you should be doing is taking medication for that. And I'm, you know, and I'm, right. I'm never one to jump. But if you have a chronic neck issue like you taking medication probably won't do very much um and obviously in an acute low back sprain or or some type of strain or a disc herniation where you're all locked up you're not going to be able to get that person doing exercises or manually mechanically do anything to them so you have to use the the best tool at the time so uh it depends very much on on the scenario i don't i try not to favor any uh one thing over another no We'll take a, a short one. More of your phone calls. Got some time still till uh, till just before 12 o'clock. 416-870-6400, star 640. On yourselves, the Dr. Payne showing this lovely Saturday morning right here. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1151 here. Dr. Payne show. You want to reach out anytime, one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, and info at paincarecanada.com. It all starts with that phone call. And get in there and get uh, you know get an assessment, at least a consultation. Start with happy. the phone call. Start with yeah. the phone call, man. Yeah, just start with the phone call. Then I'm I'm happy to have the conversation, um, and just see what's going on. And and if I can make the right recommendation, uh, simply over the phone, I'll do that. But oftentimes, uh, for specific things, I need to see the person for the assessment. And I gotta hand it to you guys. I mean, when I've talked to Mike or uh, or Ange at the uh, the clinic, like you guys are on it, man. Yeah, we try Leave to be. A message, yeah, we, bang right back. Yep, one thirty. Yep, you're booked. I'm like, yeah, wow, simple. Yeah, yeah, we try to we try to run a pretty tight ship. I mean, yeah. we're not perfect. Nobody's uh, perfect. There's we're all and we're always looking for feedback. That's the mm-hmm. other thing. So um, anybody that's ever gone to any of the clinics, if there's things that you think could be done better. Like the, the big thing I think in life is if you're just respectful, mm-hmm. unlike the email that Greg got, right? Like as long as you're, yeah. you're respectful about the feedback, then, then I think that's the most important thing. Um, and so, yeah, give, let us know what, even with me, even if you're a patient of mine and you've seen me or are going to see me, I'm happy to hear whatever you think after the interaction, uh, or before, you know, I'm happy to hear what people think of the show. Uh, I, as long as it's constructive and, uh, uh, and not rude or, you know, belittling or anything like that. Then I and then I think it's all fair game. I think it's fair to say, and, I, and I, this is, comes from experience of the last couple of weeks working with uh, Adrian at your clinic on my neck. Is when you're, especially in, in in your business, when your practitioner says, "Is this helping? Is this doing anything?" You don't need to lie. be honest. Don't, you're yes. not going to hurt their feelings. They no. get it. And I've told Adrian, "No, it's not doing." So yeah. do something else. Like yeah. Figure it out. Yeah. So and, and like, that's, okay, we'll and, try this. Yeah. And it's incredible how yeah. many people will, that I've met that just stopped going somewhere yeah. because didn't work. didn't work. And it's like, I've even met people that I've seen and, and they were going to see one, someone else that works with me. And I said, well, why'd you stop going? Oh, I wasn't feeling better. And when I talked to the practitioner, it's like, but they look at the file. It's like, they, they always reported they were feeling better. Um, and some people, yeah, you're right. Just don't want to, I don't know, I guess hurt somebody's feelings, but that's not, when practitioners are asking you, they're asking you because the feedback helps them modify their treatment. Like, mm-hmm. you can't possibly know how everybody's going to react to everything. And so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. Just be honest. If something if something is helping or if you're feeling... Like, a lot of people won't say if they're feeling worse. You know, they're coming back and it's like, are you getting are you getting better? No, uh, yeah, I'm getting better. But really, they're getting worse. It's There's no point in that. Yeah, why? I don't know. 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why people do a lot of things they do. So, uh, but you know, I, I can imagine that sometimes it's it's primarily just to to not hurt somebody's feelings, right? Like I would assume that that's uh, uh, the biggest thing is that they just don't want to insult somebody. But this isn't insulting. No yeah. healthcare professional. On the other spectrum, I've heard people say, you know, I told my doctor I want to get a second opinion, and they got mad at me. And it's like, settle down. If your doctor's getting mad at you for getting a second opinion, we we got some big problems here. Okay, we got some big <laughs> yeah, problems. Like doctor. you, you are allowed to get as many opinions, well, within reason that you yeah. that you feel are necessary. And if you're you're going to see somebody that you feel might be more specialized. I don't think anybody should ever be insulted about that. And then, and then the the offshoot of that is when you tell someone like you know I've been four or five treatments, and which isn't a lot when you no. a situation depending like if mine. it's yeah, acute then for ten then, years yeah. it's not a lot. I get that. I understand that from doing the show long enough with you. And then you tell somebody you know I've gone four or five treatments and nothing's happened. Their reaction? Well, you should go see someone else then. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right away. Oh, yeah. well, you know maybe he's not your guy. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, if it, yeah. And, and again, that may be the case, but I think most people would know. I think the biggest thing is, you know, as long as treatments don't hurt you, like communicating back uh, what it's like. I also think a lot of the treatment process um, on, the, on the psychological end of things is how you get along with the person. So I do think you should be getting treatment with someone that you feel like you like, like, right. you know, that you feel like, okay, this is a person I can speak to and be honest with. Um, and if you don't feel that way, that may be what prevents you from telling them the truth. And that could potentially be problematic for you, the patient. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's very important to not, not all practitioners, like I'm sure not everyone that I've treated loves me. In fact, I know some people that I've switched over to other people in my office and they'll tell those people like, oh, you're better than, than Dr. Lou. And that's, Whatever. yeah, that's, that's cool. fine. It's, and, and I've equally had people that have switched to me um, and they say, I'm better than, and, but it's not better. It's just, that's what works better for you. Everybody's got, there's no way to standardize uh, this type of stuff when you're a professional, even if you're a lawyer or an accountant, it's, you're applying yeah. your specific touch to it. So um, it's, uh, it's a, there's an art form to it. It's yeah. not, it's not just all science and uh, matching up the person uh, with the right practitioner, with the right treatment is really the art of, of getting this right. Well, it, it, I, and I like dealing with Adrian at your clinic. Yeah, he because, said that you guys seem to get along. Well, because I get to hear the stories about when you guys were in college. So you have no idea what he's telling <laughs> no, me, and I, I know I, what you, I know I what you imagine, did. I can imagine. It's the best yeah. part of my treatment. Okay, never mind the next. So anyway, when you guys were... I, I've got stories about oh, him, too. Oh, I bet yeah. you do. Oh, yeah, I got I some good ones. I bet you do. Yeah, yeah if you guys uh, you guys are all over for sure, and you, knew, uh, you, know what you're, uh, you know what you're doing. Last couple of minutes, advice for people. Um, well, a lot of the things that we've talked about today, number one, no. don't, uh, don't self-diagnose or have someone who's not a healthcare professional diagnosing you. Um, and, and if you do have a problem, get it dealt with early. Don't, don't wait. And a lot of people do this. And that's why we tend to get these patients that come in and, you know, they say, well, I, I actually had another patient like this this week that, that said, you know, I've, I've had this shoulder problem previously, but it was always very mild. It would go away within a few days. Mm -hmm. And now it's at the point where it's, it's almost debilitating. It's like, yeah, that's what happens. As your body breaks down, that is naturally what will happen. It will get worse and worse and worse. And if you don't fix it, then it's only going to get worse. And, and it's easy for people to understand that, again, when it comes to a mechanical machine like a car, right? Like if, you're, if you have a problem with your tires, it's not likely going to get better on its own right it will it will get worse and worse yeah. and worse and that's very much what happens in the human body is that although the pain might go away so a lot of people think that pain is the only sign of a dysfunction but it's not it's often the end stage of a dysfunction and Smart. pain can come and it can go 
And so uh, it's not always good to just simply think, oh, well, the pain's gone, it must, it must all be cured. And that, that's not the case often. And a lot of these things um, are management issues, especially when we're dealing with uh, pain and, and, and injuries. Uh, they don't just, uh, these are not things, there's not very many cures. It's really about managing it, and then you minimize the exacerbations when they come back, um, and you know what to do uh, because you're better educated about it. Done for another week. Want to reach out to get a hold of Dr. Lou? I suggest you do. I do. You should as well. It's uh, 1-855-55-DR-L-O-U D-R-L-O-U, and info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, Dr. Payne Show right here, Global News Radio 640 Toronto.